In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by KnowledgeVine. KnowledgeVine is your dependable partner for full-service human performance and safety consulting, committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine is the evolution of human performance. And today, my guest on the show is Matt Oberdorfer. Matt, did I say that right? Absolutely, Russell. That's perfect. Okay. Well, that's usually not with my Texas accent when I'm pronouncing names like that, because what is the name Oberdorfer? The name is German, and it literally means Ober means above, and Dorf means the village. So it's above the village. Okay. All right. So you're not in Germany right now, though, right? No, I'm in sunny San Diego, California. All right. Okay. So, Matt, you're the CEO of a company called Embassy of Things? Yes, that's correct. What in the world is Embassy of Things? <laughs> so, the name Embassy of Things and the company was really conceived and started a few years ago, five years ago, in Houston, Texas. Well, that's where I am. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting around, I think it was somewhere in city center, in one of the city center restaurants with a bunch of friends all of which were serial entrepreneurs. And we were thinking about, you know, starting a new company with people we really like working with, right? So there was a number one idea is let's actually, you know, if we do another new company, let's do it with people we really like. So that way, when you dial into a call or you meet people in the office or so, you actually have fun. <laughs> and in terms of focus, we really wanted to focus on industrial security, for many reasons, so cybersecurity and industrial control systems, and also access to data that sits in data historians and SCADA systems and all these things, you know, is a key part of what we are doing today. But back then, we basically said, okay, well, if we want to be able to bring the internet of things to the industrial world, we need to have an identity and access management core software system so that you can actually generate identities that connect with different IAM systems in the cloud because each cloud vendor has a different one, but also you might have a on-prem data center and they have their own way of authentication. So we basically started with a cybersecurity system for industrial control system usage. And the main thing is you can basically get an identity created and being used from different type of cloud and on-prem systems. And where do you get your passports, where you get your identity is typically the embassy. So we basically said, this is going to be the embassy of things, right? This is where you get your credentials. To go with the internet of things. Yes, for the internet of things, for the industrial world. So that's where the name came from. Now, that said, today, people mostly use EOT because Embassy of Things is a mouthful and EOT just goes faster. So that's where, they, <laughs> that's where the name came from. 
Yeah, I actually have a company called Environmental Recovery Oil Field Services and Consulting. If you think that's a mouthful, we thought we were being real cute by coming up with all these <laughs> Google searches, you know. So we just call it either Environmental Recovery or we call it ER. So I can definitely relate to that. Now, Matt, you are the author of, I think it's an upcoming book called Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT. Yes. When's that coming out? So the book is going to be available on Amazon on August the 22nd, a couple of months from now. And the book is very different from any other industrial IoT book that you may have ever read or will read (laughs) in a way that most industrial IoT books, if you want to know about protocols that are used in the industry like MQTT, to get data from, you know, your PLCs to, let's say, your SCADA system or OPC OA or OPC Classic or OPC HDA or whatever. This is not the book you want to buy, okay? Good, because I don't know what any of those things are you just said. This book is a response to, you know, some of the industrial IoT projects that I've been involved in. And it's basically structured and reads like a novel like an actual book with a plot, with a storyline, right? So it has a main character, it has an antagonist, you know, it's not an evil person, but there's basically something going on in the book. And the main goal is to have an entertaining plot that actually kind of gets people like interested in what's happening. And at the same time, educate, you know, what is AI? How can AI help? you know, in the industrial world, you know, for oil and gas companies or others. The book really starts out with the main uh, protagonist, uh, so the main person sitting in an office in a Houston business building, staring at the whiteboard, and the whiteboard says, do we need AI in industrial IoT to save our company, to go to a net zero carbon footprint to save the world, basically. Do we need, for what do we need it, you know? And so that's the beginning of the book, really. And that person, the trailblazer, is going on a journey together with his team that he pulls together to kind of figure this out. At the same time, in the same company, there's a different department with a different person who's trying to do the same thing. And so they are starting to compete There's different type of projects and stakeholders and ways to how they want to actually implement it, different type of technologies to do it. And so the book kind of develops a actual plot that that really follows the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell, which is a book that has been used by many big stories and movies, you know, The Matrix or Star Wars or so to kind of put together, you know, very intriguing plot. So it's kind of following that kind of plot line. So at the same time, it really dives deep into some of technologies and systems and what has to happen to actually build a system that has real value. And the real value means it either makes money, it saves money, it saves the environment, or it saves people from getting hurt at work and you know that kind of stuff. That's what the book is about. It's not just technical or deeply technical. It's really more something to actually read. Well, that sounds very interesting. My uh, sponsor of the show, Knowledge Vine, they've written a book called Remedy. And uh, it's, of course, about human performance and safety culture and that sort of thing. But they have a lot of lot of neat stories in it. So it's entertaining. It's not just a step-by-step thing. So that sounds like you're doing the same thing. So you mentioned a couple things there that I want to key on. 
because your uh, marketing project coordinator who introduced us, she said the book Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT is a comprehensive guide to upgrading OT slash IT infrastructure of industrial companies to utilize the power of modern AI, ML, and analytics for energy, oil, and gas, and other manufacturing companies. We're going to have to uh, get you to explain some of this and why I've got you on a oil and gas HSE podcast. I'm reminded of the story. There's a if you know about Houston, you might know a little bit about East Texas, but uh, in East Texas, there's a town that it's spelled M-E-X-I-A. And of course, phonetically, that would be Mexia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're an outsider, you look at that and you say, oh, this is the town of Mexia. Well, it's actually pronounced Mejia. So there's a joke about these two guys who are out driving the back roads of East Texas, and all of a sudden they come to city limit signs of M-E-X-I-A, and this one guy says, gee, I wonder if we can stop here and get something to eat here in Mexia. And his friend looks at him and says, it's not Mexia, it's Mejia. He says, are you sure about that? He said, yeah, pull in here and I'll prove it to you. We'll talk to one of the locals. So they pull in and they walk up to this counter, and there's this girl standing there. Obviously, she's a local, and the guy looks at her and he says, now real slowly, would you please tell me where we are? And she looked at him quizzically and she said, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn to ask the right questions here. But so my question to you is, first of all, what is industrial IoT? Let's explain that. Let's talk about what OT, IT infrastructure is. Of course, AI, everybody knows artificial intelligence. I don't know what this other acronym MI is. And then let's talk about how that does relate to health, safety, and the environment in the oil and gas industry. Oh, absolutely. So we're going to go that through that really you know, quickly, and we can dive later into detail. So industrial IoT really refers to industrial internet of things, and it really refers to being able to give access and get data from and send data to industrial systems. Industrial systems can be PLCs, can be distributed control systems, DCSs, can be SCADA systems, can be data historians, anything that's on the what's called the Purdue model, which is really an access model of the operational technology side of the businesses of oil and gas. So it's called OT for operational technology. Anything that's on that side of the what I call the chasm, because there's a firewall, basically a big firewall between that OT side and the IT side, which is where all the business systems are sitting, like SAP and you know all the databases and Salesforce and that kind of stuff, right? Anything that's on the OT side basically has sensors. And how do we actually give these sensors their own identity and be able to post that data that they are producing to the left or the other side, the IT side, so that you can actually use AI and machine learning and analytics to analyze the data, right? So one of the biggest problems is being able to actually kind of cross that chasm. So how does it relate to oil and gas and specifically do health, you know, safety and all that stuff is the following. Let's take a specific use case, okay? Let's say you want to build an application that predicts failures of flaring, you know, or failures of a system, failures of an oil pump, or the failure would be like a real disaster, you know, something you know blows up or leaks like an oil pipeline or whatever, right? In order to predict this, event, you will need a prediction engine and you need historical data and you need real-time data, right? So you need basically the last five years 
of these sensors for these 20,000 oil wells or the last five years of the sensors from a pipeline or in a production site, and you need it in the cloud. Now, why do you need this information in the cloud? Because machine learning and AI requires a lot of computers and a lot of storage. I'm talking about petabytes and hundreds or even thousands of CPUs. So this amount of storage and the amount of CPUs is not available in the oil field, right? So you got to get the data out of the oil field into the cloud where you have that amount of data. Then you can actually train these machine learning models and you can train the AI models to understand what's happening historically with these oil wells, let's say. Only when they understand what historically happened and when they understand the patterns that led to events where stuff blew up or leaked, then they can actually detect and warn you that that's happening, right? So you have to get the data from the very secure OT side into the cloud and first in IT and then into the cloud side to be able to even build models, train models, and then use these machine learning models and analytics models to detect potential failures. The other way also has to happen now. Let's say you say, oh, right, we detected there's big explosion happening or there's a leakage or whatever. You also have to get that information back to the field because if they have operators running around, running and gunning in the field and they're trying to solve stuff, they should have this information as soon as possible that something is you know, a big problem somewhere. Right? So how do you get the data basically from the IT and cloud side back into the super secure operational technology side and then make it available so that they can prioritize their work, they can understand and use it as a helper or as a support system in their decision-making what they should be doing next because nobody's going to replace ever the operator doing stuff. It's more like, how do you help them navigate what is really important and what should be done and so on? So this is basically the ability to give them that insight back to where they actually are. So that can help to kind of avoid dangers and so on and so forth. Now, I'm going to stop here. There's another aspect to it in terms of AI, where we see a big breakthrough that's going to come down the pipeline, but I'm going to leave that for later in a little bit. We'll probably talk about that. Okay. Well, this is what your company does. Man, it sounds like a very complicated process, hard to do and probably expensive and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So two things. What our company does is really to provide tools, software tools that will help in making this all happen, right? So technology, software technology, EOT is a software, industrial software company providing these tools for specifically oil and gas, but also manufacturing companies and energy companies, also renewable energy companies as well. But in order to be able to actually do this, the company itself Right? So let's say it's a big oil and gas company, it has to be able to use these software tools and focus on a particular use case to implement. Right, So this will require, the expensive part is not our software, but in the long part and complex part is to actually enable the company to do it will involve a lot of different departments, a lot of different stakeholders, a lot of different people inside their company have to work together to basically define a new so and implement a new solution that then also has to be operationalized, right? Because ultimately, 
a lot of big companies try out new stuff and it never, ever sees the light of day, ever. Even though it's successful sometimes, it just doesn't go anywhere. And that's a very, very difficult bridge to cross. And so you help companies build and cross that bridge? Yes, we do that too. Amongst others, that's not our main focus. We are really a software company. But if a customer wants us to help with that, we can do that as well. Okay. All right. Well, one of the things that caught my attention, and maybe this is uh, where you want to go with some more about AI, but I was looking at some of the things your marketing project coordinator said that you could do a deep dive into. And the thing that caught my attention was how to get to net zero with AI and cloud. Yeah. You know, one of the big things that we always recommend customers is to focus on a use case. And what we mean specifically with the use case, it is not just trying some tool out or whatever, if it works or not works. Technologies typically work. I mean, specifically if you're in a business where you've deployed it to many other companies, you know, the next one, it will work too. The use case is really to deliver business value to the customer. And we basically see four different business values. One of them is to increase production, to make more money with the assets you have, because ultimately, you know, that's what shareholders look and so on. Then cost savings, and then health and safety for all the workers and the people involved, the partners, the contractors and everybody. And then lastly is really renewable goals and net zero, zero carbon footprint, right? So in a way you can summarize it is how can we actually make more money, not by just without limiting the fuel sources, but by limiting the emissions, by limiting, you know, what is actually doing to environment at the same time, being able to maintain or even increase the number of fuel sources we have, right? How do you do that? Right. That's the billion dollar question because, you know, some of our biggest clients, like for instance, BP is one of our customers. They have goals like net zero by 2050 or another customer has other timelines where they really want to get to that point. And the way how you can achieve production increase, you know, revenue increase, and at the same time, being able to reduce your carbon footprint is you have to be able to forecast and optimize potential events that actually lead to a bad carbon footprint, right? So if you can reduce flaring, for instance, that helps. There's not one use case that will reduce everything to net zero, but there are many use cases, but you get to start with one. So if you pick a use case that really allows to reduce emissions, and then you start implementing the entire project end-to-end from the operational systems, all the data that's needed to predict when you can actually reduce flaring, how you can do it, and then you know get that data into the cloud. There's where you can actually use analytics and AI to actually make the determination on you know what is possible and then again bring that information back to the operators. Then you can not only reduce flaring in this case, but you can also extend the lifespan and the run life of a particular asset, which will also reduce work orders and other things, right? So you basically put different kind of milestones in place. You know, what are different methods and different use cases that allow us to get to a lower and lower amount of emissions? That's why I'm a very strong believer and supporter of how to use AI for better sustainability and not just to optimize 
revenues or whatever. So it can do both at the same time if you set it up and also model it the correct way. Well, that's very interesting. I actually just did a podcast, I think it aired last week, uh, called uh, Industry 4.0. It sounds like this industrial IoT, all this technology, all this AI and machine learning and all that sort of thing, it's playing a big role in HSE as far as the oil and gas companies are concerned. I can't believe we've been sitting here talking. It's almost been half an hour, but this is very interesting. Before we uh, get out of here, anything else you want to share with us? Yeah, maybe one uh, quick thing that I mentioned that I would come back to. One comment about AI. Right. So one of the big, let's say, breakthroughs that happened in the last two years is we basically are now looking at an AI. I call it the AI version 2.0. And here's the difference between AI version 1.0 and 2.0. 1.0 AI was able to detect anomalies, like something is wrong. And AI version 1.0 was able to do it by understanding the history of industrial assets and then observing the real-time data of an existing asset and basically say, ah, that doesn't look right. Something is wrong, something is gonna happen. So you can use that to send up alerts and warn workers, make sure they are safe, you know, and do all that stuff, and that's great. Now, AI version 2.0 is what we are looking at right now. It's kind of like when you look at ChatGPT, which stands for Generative Pre-trained Transformer Models, GPT, that's for language, it's for text. Machines don't really talk in language or text, they talk in numbers. So they are actually, and nobody really talks about it in public because everybody's all about the text-based stuff. But a similar type of AI is also available for time series data and sensor data, which means instead of using ChatGPT to generate new answers for questions, you can create in AI 2.0, you can create time series numbers instead of text. And what it really practically does is the following. Instead of just detecting that something is wrong with an asset, you can actually have the AI 2.0 tell you the future, predict what an asset, what an oil pump is gonna do when. So you can ask questions, when will it fail? Why will it fail? And in AI 2.0, the AI will tell you not only the answer to those questions, but also gives you an indication of the certainty, meaning it will tell you, we think it's going to fail in two months and it's going to be a plunger issue or something. And we are 30% certain that that's going to be the first issue that's going to happen. And we are 70% certain that that's the time when it will happen. So that goes far beyond anything AI 1.0 could do, which could just tell you, oh, something is wrong, right? It literally predicts the future. And that means you can plan better if you think about it, right? If you know that stuff is going to fail in two months from now, and you know already what the problem is, is something is going to blow up or not blow up, whatever, it will have a huge impact on HSE. It will have a huge impact on how they even run the stuff, how they plan their routes, how they maintain stuff, what the priority is you know, parts how they even structure and organize their workovers. So that's what AI 2.0 can do. And we are just at the beginning of this. So that's maybe the food for thought that I'm going to leave at the end. Well, this. 
That sounds great. That, in fact, we may entitle this episode AI 2.0. <laughs> Matt, again, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Again, a reminder to everybody of your book. It's entitled Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT, available on Amazon. This podcast will probably be coming out in July, so we're probably, by the time you listen to this, we're about a month off from it being available. Wish you lots of luck on that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn, your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or there's actually a review link in the show notes. And please tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vines Oil and Gas HSE, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Knowledge Vine is the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. If you want the most advanced safety technology adapted from the human performance principles of the nuclear and aviation industries, and Knowledge Vine is error reduction that works. And as a matter of fact, Knowledge Vine is in the area of safety using some of the same AI technology to look at the uh, serious injury and fatality precursors and be able to predict and prevent workers from getting hurt. So you can learn more at knowledgevine.com. We'll put Matt's LinkedIn info in the show notes, and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.